Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sally Gentry. And together, you're saying thank you so much for tuning in. And today's a big day, April 15th. Blue and green. Let me see, guys. Blue and green. Blue and green. Good. Looking good. I love it. Yeah. And we hope that you are sporting your blue and green, too. We want to see it. We're going to tell you how to get that information to us. Maybe win a prize, too. We'll remind you. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a guest today who's going to share a donor story with very special circumstances that gives many meanings to the gift of life. Powerful. And today on the Family Services segment, we're going to speak with Michael Davison, who's a heart recipient of 25 years. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. He's participated in uh, the 2014 transplant games, and he's going to participate again in the 2016 transplant yeah. games. So he has a lot to tell us. We're going to talk to him. And we'll honor a hero all here on this episode of The Gifted Life. And man, we want people to hear it, right? That's right. Please keep, help. Keep spreading the word about us. I mean, it's fun. Like we said in our last episode, we've had over 20,000 downloads. Whoop. Keep spreading the word. Tell everybody about us. We're very educational. We're informative. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, or whatever your favorite app is. There and you call go. us. 504-648-3477. We'd love to hear what you have to say or whatever questions you may have for us. Please call. Yeah, you could be part of the podcast. Also, check out our social media sites. We're on Facebook, Donate Life Louisiana. Also, Twitter and Instagram, at Donate Life LA. So a lot of what we talk about here you'll find on those social media sites. So a simple share or a retweet could really help us with our life-saving message. So thank you for what you already do. Help us spread the word. Let's get going, y'all ready? Yep. Here we go. This is a big day. I always look forward to this day because everybody who's anybody gets involved because it's just that easy. It's blue and green day. Yep. Yeah, so I like the colors. Very bright, very colorful. I love it. We're all sporting it from the nails down, right, Joe? That's right. We like it. Fingernails, toenails, (laughs) just like I did last year. I saw some pets. Uh, you know, they were colorful. A lot of people who were into plants, they were doing blue and green and, and those kinds of fun things. But this is a day where everybody can get involved. And the main goal, the bottom line is we're trying to increase awareness about organ donation and we're trying to increase registries across the country. So we're partnering with Donate Life America. We want you to do the same because um, there are prizes. Yep. Yeah. There's pri- we don't want to make you do all this work for nothing. We want to show it off. Absolutely. Well, and also, you know, if you can send in your best photo of blue and green, there's six different categories. Uh, Adult fashion, kids fashion, pet fashion. I like it. uh, Group photos, food and drinks, blue and green there, and places and decorations. Yeah, and people have been really creative. So we had a dog last year, had the blue and green bow tie. Mm -hmm. We had a business that a a recipient um, is tied to that business. And so they all got out, they wore their blue and green, and then they spelled out LOPA, you know, like the YMCA, but like L-O-P-A, which we love. But we're asking people to just 
be creative, think outside the box, do something different. We had mohawks that were blue and green. <laughs> I was thinking we could do that for Joe. Yeah, I think so. Later, yeah, there you if go. If we want to do that. But this is I'll a do fun... a faux hawk. <laughs> Does he have one going on now? Or... Kind of. What do you think? It's cool. Well, yeah. Good. Sorry. See, we can spray paint it. You trust us, Joe? Oh, uh, no. maybe not. Okay. <laughs> so, but here's the important thing. Um, Donate Life America wants to see your pictures, but they can't have collages, borders, filters. I know you use filters, Joey, on your pictures <laughs> yeah. when you... I'm kidding. Uh, when you post, but um, they want to <laughs> see them. And so the pictures with the most likes wins a community choice award. And then all these categories that Sally talked about, there's going to be a panel of judges who votes on that. So we really want Donate Life America to see it. We're going to share it on Donate Life Louisiana as well. Uh, but this can be a family fun project. So last year we had families, they had a dinner night and they all wore their blue and green and then they did fun things. That's what we want to see, just involvement because that's what it's all about. And the winner of each category will be awarded a $100 Amazon gift card. We should have started with that, really, right? $100. I like that. Okay. So those winners will be announced Tuesday, April 26th, but start submitting today and then you have until the 19th at midnight. Everybody good? We're good. We like it. Plus, we have lots of events going on in April because it is Organ Donor Awareness Month. So check out our calendar at lopa.org. See what's going on. If you can get involved, there's lots of fun things. Do it, right? Don't hesitate. Jump in today. In our recovery segment here on The Gifted Life, a pro-donation family sharing their incredible journey. What a story. Yeah, it is. Laurie, we've got here with us the Director of Donation Services at Life Gift in Houston, Jessica Roth. And she's going to tell us a little bit about a story that started on Christmas Eve uh, this past year. It started with a, a pregnant mom who suffered in a tragic event and suffered a non-survivable injury. So I'll, I'll start with you, uh, Jessica. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So can you tell us a little bit more about the story? Yeah. So a young girl was uh, admitted after having an accident. She actually fell from the back of a pickup truck, uh, hitting her head and suffering a severe traumatic brain injury. Immediately upon arrival to the hospital, it was realized that she was not going to recover, and the family was told of her poor prognosis. She happened to be pregnant at the time when she was admitted, in fact, um, 23 weeks pregnant. And so if you um, know anything about that, the baby was at that time not even considered, you know, viable for survival. The family wanted to continue her care to see if the baby could be cared for and delivered safely, uh, but also verbalized at that time that she knew, they knew that she had registered to be an organ donor and wanted to know what their donation options were as well. And so then this kind of neat story ensued, and we started working closely with the care team uh, to make make the family's wishes happen. So, Jessica, so tell me a little bit about what that entails. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, really kind of a neat situation. Um, They put together an entire uh, care team for this patient, and so it was made up of many different disciplines. And considering we had not only the young girl uh, who was injured, but also another patient to think about um, in this instance, and that was a little baby. 
And so we had um, an OB obstetric team, including a perinatal specialist team, and then also an intensive care team. And so they've had to work very closely to collaborate because what might be good for mom may not be good for baby. And then we got to be kind of part of that uh, somewhat in the middle and help to be the experts when it came to taking care of somebody with this type of traumatic uh, brain injury and uh, be part of the weekly care planning. And so from the time that she came to the hospital until she did deliver, we met weekly as a multidisciplinary care team and really just discussed her goals of care each week, depending on how she was doing and how baby was doing. That's got to be quite a challenge to maintain someone who has suffered such a traumatic brain injury. It's difficult for a couple days at a time. Uh, once the brain stops functioning, you know, all the hormones get out of whack, so to speak. So we have to kind of trick the body into thinking that the brain's still functioning. And to do that for a couple days is a challenge. And then here you guys and the healthcare team there are having to balance, like you said, the needs of the baby and the fact that the brain's not working anymore. So there's a lot of hormone therapy and and different medications and things that are involved that had to be quite a chore. Was quite a balancing act, and one of the probably biggest um, struggles was just uh, keeping her what we call electrolytes or potassium levels, magnesium levels, things like that normalized. Every day in the in the normal healthy body, you know, your body kind of helps take care of those things naturally. And so, in this situation, we have to do it through medications and replacement and things of such. Baby was remarkably stable throughout the entire course. They did take her to C-section on March 7th. That was just shy, I believe, of 36 weeks. So they were able to maintain her, you know, over 20 weeks of her being, you know, from at the hospital. It's amazing. Uh, so quite amazing. It is. Um, and, and the donor herself, you know, besides some of the uh, imbalances, remained quite stable through the whole thing. And it just kind of shows you sometimes things are not all in our control. We were kind of at the mercy of what was going to happen next and just being very prepared for any situation. What I'm thinking, too, obviously outside of having to maintain that balance uh, from, a, from a medical standpoint, is the emotions that must come into play on every family that we've we've encountered and, and been able to help through this initial stage of grieving, there presents, uh, you know, different challenges, unique challenges, but to see that there's this beautiful little baby there, you know, being born, all the emotions that have to take place. First, you guys are, are able to celebrate, you know, the, the life of a newborn child and how amazing that is in itself, while at the same time, you know, mourning the death of of the mom. And then that all tying in with, you know, the whole donation, you know, piece that comes into play later. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, this was really interesting because not only were was she giving life, but she was also renewing, you know, a life and lives of others that were somewhat in the same situation as hers, um, wondering if they were going to be able to, to make it or see see another day. For the family, it was really, really amazing to see um, how they were went through this process and how they were able to celebrate the the end result. Again, like you said, not only did they have this beautiful um, little baby that came from it, but they also got to see, you know, her 
mom live on and create a legacy in the future that the baby be able to to have some connection to that as well. Um, it was also interesting or kind of a neat twist to this story. When the patient came in, the hospital was extremely busy. And so the only unit that had a bed available was the transplant ICU unit. And so she was actually on the transplant unit this her entire time and maintained. And so it really helped for the transplant uh, team to also see that other side of donation, the beginning, and get to close the loop on that. So it was really kind of a neat, special um, situation that uh, that really I almost made it even more right. um, positive it's, in the end. It's very, very rare for the listeners that, you know, most of the time, that's a that's a very separate thing. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts. You know, a lot of people kind of get confused, you know, with they think every hospital is a donor hospital or is a, is a transplant hospital and every hospital has, you know, you know transplant recipients. And we, we kind of explain how things are so separate, you know, from the hospital standpoint and healthcare standpoint. So, you know, even though they work in transplant, seeing the donor side is really a rare event. And then to have her for that time frame and then be involved emotionally like they've been, you know, that's, that's got to add some growth, you know, to them professionally, I would assume. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing that was very special in this case is typically our, our donors suffer a, you know, a, an injury and, and, and they die quickly and that, and the process moves pretty rapidly from the time they're injured to everything being over and funeral uh, happening. In this situation, the family got to spend an extended amount of time, um, with their daughter, sister, niece, um, friend, um, while baby was being, you know, taken care of and, and brought to viability and and be and the donor was being maintained. So I think it it, it served to be a very special time for them as well and, and helped them to to get through different stages of their grieving process that normally we wouldn't be able to see. Um, and so just a learning process all around for the care team, for our team, and also I think, you know, for a lot of uh, people who would normally not be able to be involved in the donation process. Wow. I'm just sitting here in awe of this story, and I'm thinking how strong this family had to be, and then they want people to know this story, the coordination efforts, the emotions of those um, first responders. That's just something. But, you know, I'm a mom, Jessica. I have to ask you, tell me about this baby. Is the baby okay? Did they name the baby? Give me some details. Yes, baby was healthy, actually did not require any oxygen or any help with breathing when she was born, so her lungs were fully developed. Um, she was a little over five pounds. They named her Nympha, N-I-N-F-A, and uh, she's still in the hospital learning to eat. Um, and so when she takes a whole bottle all herself, she'll get to go home, and so they foresee that in the next week or so, and she'll be living with Grandma. Wow. Jessica, that was an incredible story. We appreciate you taking the time to share that with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. And I just wanted to add one more thing. Um, you know, the donor was able to help five individuals with her lungs, liver, uh, pancreas, and both her kidneys. So it created quite a legacy. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing that story. That's incredible. A healthy yes. baby, more lives saved, this family continuing to spread awareness, and these first responders who continue to go the extra mile. We love it. All right, we'll be back with more. We 
have reached our family support segment, and I feel like we're going from one wow story to yes. another. Yes. Yeah. And wait till you hear this one. Sally's got a, a great caller on the line. Hi. Yes. I'm pleased to introduce our guest, Michael Davidson. He's a heart recipient. So, Michael, uh, Sally was telling me uh, before we, we got on the line with you that you've been having your heart for 25 <gasps> years. I said, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it'll be 25 years in June. So back then, heart transplant, transplant in general, it was such a, there was a newness to it. Can you remember back, you know, how you felt and what brought on your heart condition? Um, I was 11 at the time of the transplant and everything was kind of new to me and everything about the transplant situations. And I had AICD. Yeah. Implanted into my chest, and that's and that for the, our listeners, that's a that's a defibrillator. So he had, so he was in a position where, you know, he had a defibrillator where his heart can stop at any moment, you know, and then that kind of jump started it. it it's been shocked forty two times and everything, where it like knocks you out and everything, knocks you on the floor, which is kind of strange, but it's okay. Very scary for a child to have that done to them. So it was, it was really interesting having that in my body at the time. Wow. And I'm a mom of, a, of an eight-year-old, so I'm thinking, you know, she's very active, runs around. So what was your life like? Well, I was in a wheelchair most of my life, and I really couldn't do much of anything because of the defibrillator. Like, I couldn't go on any trips or anything because the metal detectors at the airport or whatever. Mm-hmm. Really couldn't do uh, much of that stuff. I couldn't do much of the normal activities that a child does. I was very weak a lot of times. A lot of times I was very dizzy when I got walked around. It took a lot out of me to do pretty much everything. Wow. Like the basics, like getting up in the morning, that took a lot of me. Yeah. Getting dressed took a lot of me. Going somewhere to come downstairs to get some to eat for breakfast, that took a lot out of me. Yeah. So it just took a lot of effort and everything out of, on my part to get up of every day and go forward and make it happen. Tell me a little bit about when you heard the doctor say you're going to need a heart transplant. How did that make you feel? Were you scared? Were you excited maybe that you were going to start feeling better? So tell, tell me about the emotions there. I was... When the doctors told me I was going to be having the transplant and everything, I was scared and everything because at the time I was a child, so you really didn't understand what would be going on in your life at that time. So I was very scared, and my family was, they were scared too, but they kept on a good face, good smile and everything to kind of ease my pain. And my family's been with me the whole way. You've been very fortunate to have a family there to support you and help you through all this. Sounds like you're surrounded by a lot of love, a lot of medical professionals, which is great. Yeah. And so what is life like for you now? Just normal, normal guy? Life now is pretty much normal and everything. I mean, I pretty much live my life every day. I'm exercising off and on everything. I walk my dog and everything. So I do that stuff. I take care of the household stuff like cooking and cleaning some things. So I pretty much have pretty much the same lifestyle as I did before the transplant. Yeah. Just normal. 
So, Michael, I understand when we talked uh, a while back that you'd participated in the 2014 transplant games and that you're going to participate yes. again this year, right? Yes, I am. I'm Great. planning on going to um, Cleveland for the this year's games and everything. Uh-huh. And it'll, for, it, it'll be a special event because my 25-year anniversary, too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So or, what are your events? What What do you like to do? What are you good at doing? Well, I'll be doing um, volleyball, if, if they have a team. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, cornhole, which is a beanbag toss. And um, poker. Yes. That's and everything. Fun. I know it's kind of strange. That'd be fun. And there's a trivia team. And those are the events that I'll be doing at the games. Oh, wow. great. Good. Well, I think you're a good representative. We appreciate you sharing your story. It is a wow story. Yes. 25 years. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yes, so thank you. And we know that you continue to help um, spread organ donor awareness. So we can't yeah. thank you enough. You pay it forward. Yeah. Um, I, I just did um, an event here this weekend for the Southern Eye Bank and everything. It was, it was lots of fun. And I was able to share my story and everything with people who's come to the event and everything, who's also wanted to know more about the game and other people transplants and everything. Wow. Well, you are just a great representative. We can't thank you enough. Think of the lives that you have helped to save as well. And we'll see you at the games in 2016. Yes. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much, Michael. We really enjoyed talking with you. It is now time to honor a hero. Yes, Lori, and today our special hero is Kelly Thrash. Uh, The story comes from Mom. My son Kelly became an organ donor April 25, 2004. That was the day that his life and mine ended, but through this gift, others had the chance to live again. Kelly was my heart. I used to tell him that. And at 18, he was full of life and quick with a big smile. I've been signed up to be an organ donor for years, and as a nurse, I had explained to him how important it was to the many others that were waiting for that chance at life. I'll never forget him getting his new driver's license on his 18th birthday. He was so proud of that little red heart. He said he had a license to save lives. We never dreamed it would only be two and a half months before his license would be used. Let me tell you a little about my Kelly. He and I were very close. He worried over me a lot, but it had always been just him and I since he was just a baby and I had divorced. He grew up just fine with the help of my parents and brothers. He was a big, tall, blonde kid with an infectious laugh, a smile that could light up a room, and a love for animals and life in general. He wasn't a saint nor perfect, but he tried hard. He didn't want to disappoint me. He was working and going to school in the evening to get his GED. When the accident happened, and after I learned that Kelly would not live, the call to Lopa was the first thing that was done. It gave me a great sense of peace and comfort to know that although my Kelly was gone, he would still live on in others. And again, that's for mom. You can read more about Kelly's story on our website, lopa.org. Click on Faces of Donation um, to learn more about Kelly. At this time, let's say thank you to Kelly Thrash for the gift of life. We love when you correspond with us. So if you have a question, we want to answer it. If you call into our hotline, we want to share that with folks. And we want this to be interactive. So continue that. Um, Sally, we have a question that came in. And this is for you. This is your purview. 
I have written a letter to my son's donor family. I'm wondering where I need to send it and how it should be addressed. When you're writing to the donor family, you can address it, dear donor family, uh, and then you can send it to us at LOPA, 3545 North I-10 Service Road, Suite 300 in Metairie, 70002. Or you can email your letter to familyservices at lopa.org, and we'll make sure it gets to your donor's family. If by chance your family or your donor did not come through LOPA, we will certainly find out that information for you. Uh, and if you will, please make sure you include your return mailing address, your full name, and the best way for us to contact you. So that way we can let you know exactly what is going on with your correspondence. And the great thing is we have um, tabs at lopa.org that help you to construct that letter. Um, our address is on there as well. So basically a one-stop shop if this is what you're, yes. you're looking for. Yes. Yeah. So check that out, lopa.org. I think it's under the Family Services tab. So you mm-hmm. want to check that out. And um, our hotline number, 504-648-3477. You want us to talk more about something, delve into a certain category. That's the place to do it. Keep them coming. Another episode has come to a close. And you know, guys, we've been talking to professionals from across the country and we learn from them. But guess what? We can learn from kids, too, because they do say the darndest things. Love them, right? So we got some audio sent in and we want you to take a listen. This is adorable. Mom, you know what I want to be when I grow up? No, what's that? A hero. Really? What kind of hero? An organ donor. Like Uncle Justin, he saved five lives. Wow, that's awesome. You know what else, Mom? What's that? Uncle Justin's heart is still beating in Miss Maryland 18 years later. I know. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? Oh, now that was so cute. <laughs> I mean, he he sounded just like me. I love it. I love (laughs) the accent accent. that he's got. And the story was powerful. And look, it it was was just a short little story, but people are going to remember that. Yep. And of course, that's Justin Harrison's family. Uh, You guys have heard Libby, Uh, Libby Harrison, who's who. She's our family uh, services coordinator. Sally, do you know Libby? I I do do know Libby. Libby's my coworker. But we we ask, you know, for you guys to send us little clips and we'll we'll play it. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from kids. We want to hear from everyone. So yeah. please call us. 504-648-3477. You heard the power behind that? We want you to call in. We want to use that audio. We love it. So uh, thanks to Justin's family uh, for continuing to honor that hero and to help spread awareness. But it's a team effort. we got to thank those other folks who are on the podcast today, too. Certainly. We want to thank Jessica Roth out of Life Gift in Houston for sharing that special story about how they've been part of helping one family through such a tragedy. And we thank Michael Davidson for sharing his story uh, of how he's been living for the last 25 years and having a wonderful life. Yeah, just incredible. And uh, the Transplant Games, you'll hear more about that here on the podcast and uh, our other forms of communication. Just all good. I'm I'm smiling. I'm smiling. It's all good information. I love it. I love it. All right, the gifted life, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, Thanks for spreading the word about what we do and for helping us to do that. So go out today and do something you don't normally do to help make life happen. Wear your blue and green. Yes. Mm